talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back. It's a Friday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. It's Doug Lamarie, Nathan Baird, and Stephen Means, and we are debuting our influence rankings of Ohio State football players for the 2022 football season. We did something where Stephen, Nathan, and I rated all the meaningful guys on the roster in two categories. One was value, which is how important they are, which factors in sort of the other guys at their position, just like how important they are to the success of the team. And the other, other category that we evaluate, evaluate everybody on was special. Are they fun? Are they exciting? Are they supremely talented in a unique way? Because, you know, maybe you can be that way. That kind of actually folds in maybe some younger guys who, oh, there's veteran guys at their position. Maybe they're not that valuable this year, but they have a lot to them that get you excited. And then we asked the tech subscribers to rate. We I sent them 35 guys. I screwed up two things on the survey I sent. And sending 35 guys, that's a decent percentage. I screwed up the Jackson Smith and Jigba survey in a way that didn't matter that much. I could just double his thing. And I forgot to include Tyreek Williams, which was a mistake, but I plugged Tyreek into the algorithm and we'll figure out what his rating would have been. They rated everybody on a scale of one to 10. And I told them to think of it as their Q rating, you know, like their appeal, how much you like them, how much you admire them, how much you enjoy rooting for them, how great you think they are. So the main thing of this, Nathan, is, This is not the 25 best players for Ohio State's 2022 football team. It is not the 25 most valuable players. It is both less and more than that. It is trying to put our finger on like, and I I like the word influence because influence to me is the players you talk about with your friends, the players that you're excited about. When they come on the field, the player that you maybe would think about buying a jersey from if he's available, right? That And that clearly production and skill and talent is part of that, Nathan. But that's not the only thing that goes into decisions like that. So that's what we're trying to put our finger on with a ranking like this. I think I'm most looking forward to the arguments that we're going to have with each other since we had two separate ratings that went into our score. And there's going to be guys who are more important than they are special and guys who are more special than they are important. But I could see us seeing some of those things 180 degrees opposite of each other. I think it's going to be pretty fun. Steven, do you think, have I explained this the right way, right? That I I do want this to me. This is, and, and to be frank, I have more ideas than I have gumption and and time, frankly. I have wanted to do, I first proposed doing a list at cleveland.com of like the 25 most influential people in Cleveland sports. Like when LeBron was here, you know, like way, like long, long, long ago. And I've always wanted to do a list where, and, and again, that always to me was, that was an influential list. It's the power that people have to affect fans. And so that would include, because I didn't just want to be a power ranking because then all of a sudden you just have a bunch of owners and general managers and stuff at the top because they really hold the power, but really the people that hold power over fans are players. So this to me would be a way to mix players and owners and general managers and coaches and rising stars and established veterans. And I would have included Ohio State people in that. And I've wanted to do it 
for like six or seven years. And I just kick myself every year because how fun would it have been? There would a time, there was a time when like Baker Mayfield would have been number one on that list. And now he's gone. You know, where would the show, there was a time when LeBron was number one on that list. There was a time when Francisco Lindor was super high on that list. There was a time when urban Meyer would have been super high on that list and would have taken into account everything that we cover. And like I always do, I laid out a plan that was so gigantic and comprehensive and had nine sidebars and had the whole entire Cleveland.com staff voting on it. And I never did it. And if I just would have come up with Dougie's list of the top 25, we would have been doing it for seven years. So eventually I hope I'll do that, but at least we can do this, Stephen. Am I, do we understand what this is? Am I explaining this to the listeners the right way? Yes. There's a difference between best and most important. And, 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 and fun matters. Fun matters. Like, cause you might just like a guy like Cardale McCall. Demario McCall would have been it. Like Cardale Jones to me is a guy that popped up in my head a lot through this right now in that playoff run, he was really valuable when the other mm-hmm. two quarterbacks were hurt. But then, like back in 2015, when come back in 2015, well, JT Barrett's there. You kind of could survive without Cardale Jones. Is he great? Well, he's not Troy Smith. He's not Braxton Miller. But man, do people love Cardale Jones, right? Like, I, like I, I would. Cardale Jones is like ranking from the fans. Like his Q rating might have been through the roof. But then when you and I and Nathan, if we were going through, well, his value, well, is he actually better than JT? Probably, you know, and special. Well, but then special. He's big. He has a huge arm when it gets out of the pocket. He, like, I think Cardale Jones, if you just would have said the best players on the on the 2015 Ohio State Buckeyes, to me, Stephen, like Cardale Jones would have not been very high on a list of best mm-hmm. players when you have Ezekiel Elliott and Joey Bosa and Michael Thomas. But on most influential, man, people love Cardale Jones and they love talking about Cardale Jones and watching what he might do next. He rises up a list like that. that. That's the guy that I have in my head to differentiate important and best. We're talking about influential. So we're going to call this the Cardell Jones stat. It's not Nathan. What do we think? Like if, if like I'm trying to write the example, what do you mean, Doug? What do you mean? That's the guy. Can we think of another guy? I mean, you know, the Cardale Jones most influential list. Like I'm trying to think because he was so influential. But then when you got down to the football in 2015, again, he would have fallen down the list. But my gosh, the guy delivered a national championship and was like the most fun, fun player you ever want to watch on the field. Yeah, I don't know if there's anybody just from my here last few years that would qualify better than that. That's probably yeah. a pretty strong candidate. Because like Demario was fun, and we had a lot of fun talking about Demario on this pod. But Demario never got on the field in a meaningful way that even we could have jacked him up that far up the list, right? So yeah, and the know. media also made Demario more fun than maybe his personality was at times. While Cardell, like we didn't have to sell anybody on Cardell; he sold himself. Yes. So the way that we did this is Nathan, Stephen, and I rated each player one to twenty in value. And then we combined, I combined those three ratings and came up with an overall value rating of one to 20. So if, if Steven gave a guy a 20 and, and Nathan gave a guy an 18 and I gave a guy a 19, that guy's value rating is 19. Then we did the same, same thing in special. Wait, I'm sorry. Is, is a score out of 40 or out of 20? So we each, so just, we each did that rating out of 20. 
and then I combined it, right? So you and I each did one to 20. What's the, what's the value rating, right? And then we did one to 20. What's the special rating? Okay. Special okay. is special is exciting, rare talent. Could you so be an all American? Okay. Yeah. And so then I added all those three, all those special ratings together and got an overall thing. And then the texter rating was one to 10. So this is like, whatever it is, 26.7% Stephen Means' thoughts, 26.7% Nathan Baird's thoughts, 26.7% my thoughts, and 20% texter thoughts. So that's the big final thing here of how we get it. So I tried to spread it out like decently equally because we each get a third of the 80% and then the texters get 20%. But it's rating, these ratings... I like making up stats. Now I've just turned people off. Now it's like, now it's just a lot of math. Now it's a math podcast. Now again, now it's a math podcast for people who are bad at math. So what we're going to do, we have the top 25 rankings on this podcast. We'll talk about numbers 25 through 17. And then we'll do three more podcasts talking about the guys at the top. So I will tell you guys that number 25 on the list. And again, the way it worked out, Number 26 was a guy whose overall rating was 29.99. So you had to be a 30 out of 50 to make it because 29.99 just missed. And that was Cam Brown. And I think that gives us some indication of what this is, because if we're just doing the two, like the 11 starters on offense, the 11 starters on defense. And by the way, one special teams person made it. Like you're, you're getting close to your 25 that way. But this is a guy that we anticipate to be, Nathan, a starting cornerback, Cam Brown, veteran, been around forever, didn't make the top 25, kind of because I think we think maybe he's not special. It's kind of valuable. We had talked about like, hey, if he had decided he wasn't coming back and now they definitely have to start Jordan Hancock or Ja'Kalen Johnson, boy, you're playing some young guys. He has real value. Is he special the way you think of a, an Ohio state cornerback, eh, maybe not as much. And then does he get people excited? Does he have a great Q rating from, from the texters? Not really. So like Cam Brown barely missing again to me, Nathan is like a little bit in indicative of what we're trying to do here. And I will tell you the texter rating of Cam Brown came in exactly at 25th. So does that, does that help clarify too? Like Cam Brown just missed, but he's probably going to start. I think it should, because you have to remember that there's going to be, as you said it, there's some players here. It's not just who's the most important for this coming season. So you could have backup quarterbacks that are going to be higher on this list than starters at some positions, that sort of thing. I think that's an important thing for people to keep in mind. Also, the way you said it, as far as like the difference between value and special, Cam Brown, when I'm looking at my own ratings, had one of the biggest gaps between important slash value and special. And there aren't that many guys on the roster that are so important without maybe having that like X factor specialness to them. So that's another thing to remember that this is just sort of the makeup of an Ohio state roster. You go look at another program that might, the the distinction maybe isn't as great that there's going to be fewer guys who are both valuable and special. All right. So number 25 is the only linebacker that made the list that made the top 25. Steven, who do you think it is? The only linebacker who made the top 25. Eichenberg, just because for me, he had the largest gap between important value and special. And I think that might be the same with some other people as well. Nathan, who do you think it is? 
I think it is probably Steel Chambers because I think people probably give him a little bit more on the special side than they do uh, Mr. Ackenberg. It is Steel Chambers. Steel Chambers comes in at 30.11. There was actually another linebacker who finished ahead of Tommy Eichenberg. Tommy Eichenberg was 28.5. There was somebody in between them. Guess who was the second highest linebacker, Nathan? CJ Hicks. Steven? Yeah, CJ. Yeah. So in our linebacker room, Steel Chambers 30.11 is 25th, just missing. CJ Hicks 29.67. Tommy Eichenberg, 28.5. Cody Simon, 27.43. Does For what we're trying to do here, Stephen, does that feel right or wrong? I will say, like Tommy Eichenberg, the way the coaches have talked about him and the fact that he almost certainly is going to be the starting middle linebacker feels a little strange to me to not be in the top 25 but also if we have invoked the name of tough borland sometimes and talking about him i get it because i think in the minds of a lot of the people listening tough borland does not imply special i get that cj hicks is second i think you can make a case for any of the other three guys who we know are going to play cody simon steel chambers and tommy eichenberg to be first because um their value might be higher but i get why cj hicks is second can we use this a little bit? Uh, maybe I'd like to see how we each ranked because at some point I think we need to calibrate a little bit our scores just to give people an idea of how we were doing this. Yeah. I'm curious how you guys ranked Steel Chambers versus Tommy Eichenberg and what that might tell us about how we rank the rest of this list. Because I can use myself, for example. I was just looking back again because, again, I filled this out in April and I'm just now revisiting it finally again the last couple of days. But I had sort of like tiers and importance and tiers of special. And I had um, importance value was like a 20 would be national championship chances decrease if that guy's out. A 15 would be just even winning a Big Ten championship in decreases if that guy's out. A 10 would be their absence creates a big depth issue. And five would be like not even starting quality. And there's no guys really that we're going to be talking about that would be that low. And then on special, it would be like 20 is a Heisman contender. 15 is an All-American. 10 is a first team All-Big Ten. And five would be like, lesser all big 10 and that would it feels like the assumption that we would have for pretty much any starter at ohio state that you can probably make third team or honorable mention all big 10 so by that um by those categories i had a 14 in importance on steel chambers versus a 12 for tommy eichenberg so so steel chambers being someone closer to where their big 10 championship chances decrease if he is out Whereas I had a 10 in special on Chambers, which would be like first team all Big Ten possibly, but only a nine on Eichenberg. So still pretty close to that same level. But I saw that the, the gap of Steel Chambers not being on the roster being a bigger problem than Tommy Eichenberg. Uh, so I will say just real quickly. And again, this is I think that I think we have to limit some of the numbers discussion because people are going to fall asleep. But for instance, me. For value, I had 14 for Eichenberg, 13 for mm-hmm. Steel Chambers. So I thought Eichenberg was slightly more important. And Steven had the exact same thing. 14 for Eichenberg, 13 for Steel Chambers. For special, I had 13 for Steel Chambers, 12 for Tommy Eichenberg. And Steven had seven for Steel Chambers, six for Tommy Eichenberg. So Steven and I were, were on the same wavelength of, we thought Eichenberg was slightly more valuable. We thought Steel Chambers was slightly more special. And so they their ratings came in 
overall, like very similar. Steel Chambers was slightly ahead. And then the Q rating from the fans, Steel Chambers was a little bit ahead of Tommy Eichenberg as well. So it's kind of a slim margin, but both in general, the three of us and the three uh, and the texters lean Steel Chambers. And I just think when we saw Steel Chambers, he's a running back. who just heard him play linebacker. He's darting into the backfield sometimes. He's making tackles behind the line of scrimmage. And Tommy Eichenberg is like making sure people are lining, lined up the right way and tackling running backs when they come through the middle of the line. And again, this is guys who made a gazillion tackles in the Rose Bowl, but it's not as flashy. It's not as exciting. It's solid. And Nathan, I do think the idea of even though Steven and I rated Tommy Eichenberg more important, if you believe Cody Simon's right there, at middle linebacker, that affects the evaluation a little bit. Um, I think I still leaned on Eichenberg on value because like the way they talk about him, his leadership and in the weight room and how smart he is. Like, it feels like, man, I think maybe they would miss him if he was gone. And if Steel Chambers isn't there, maybe Chip Trainum, maybe CJ Hicks, maybe somebody else is out there, you know, dragging down running backs. So, but I- it's pretty close, I think, between the two of them. The one thing that I haven't maybe quite been able to shake about Tommy Eichenberg was there was a lot of talk about him last year in preseason camp, which is why, in retrospect, we shouldn't have been surprised that he, I think, started against Minnesota and was playing a lot in that season opener. Did not solve the linebacker problem last year, though. Um, True. To, to that point a little bit, first of all, I'm not going to throw a bunch of numbers at people because that will get boring. All four linebackers that we're going to talk about here all had 20s for me. But the one thing I did notice is the more valuable they were right now, the less special they were, while the yeah. guys who were maybe less valuable right now were more special. Like CJ is, has the the high, the, like the value for me was Eichenberg, Chambers, Cody Simon, CJ Hicks, while the special was CJ Hicks, Cody Simon, still Chambers, Tommy Eichenberg. I'm a little surprised that Hicks didn't make the top 25 because I thought, the way that we have thought and talked about a five-star linebacker who feels like has a, has a chance to be a playmaker. I thought that might carry the day enough for us. And then for like texters being super excited about him, I thought it might carry the day for him to be the highest rated linebacker, even though maybe it feels like there's not really like a spot for him necessarily right now. Although we think maybe he might, demand or or squeeze into a spot by the end of the year but um and i will say cj hicks and mostly this is us on value because cj hicks in sort of that q rating from the texters was 16th overall so the texters had him in their top 25 but they're only 20 percent of the vote and that wasn't enough for him to sort of overcome i think what we see as not enough value to this team as a true freshman linebacker. I don't want to put too much of the, the onus on the black stripe stuff. Cause some of that is for social media, but I, but two guys did lose their black stripe in the spring and, and Kai Stokes and Caden Curry. I think had he been among that group, it would have pushed up his value for me because then it's not, okay, let's make sure he's on track first. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you think about it a little differently if he would had accomplished some of those things in the spring that now, granted, we might get out there in first week of fall camp. He's the first guy who loses his black stripe, just like Denzel Burke was. But as of right now, I think that tampered it down a little bit for me that, yeah, he's probably the most talented guy in that room, but maybe it just hasn't clicked for him yet. Yeah, and I he he's one of the more interesting guys on my list because I had him, again, based on that scale I gave you before, I had him like a tick below like All-American status yeah. without having seen him playing a snap. But I had him completely ranked as someone who like if, you know, again, the – alien abduction, whatever, 
I don't know that it changes how Ohio State wins or loses games in 2022. Mm-hmm. So it, a weird juxtaposition. We don't need to do that for every player, but I thought we probably should like sort of calibrate a little bit to help us as we move forward. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And that's like a tough, it's, but again, if we were just doing like most valuable, he'd be in the forties potentially. Cause it's like, well, they have a gazillion linebackers. He's a true freshman and they're probably fine. It's a lot like, like court Williams. People talked a lot about court Williams when he was coming in and then he got hurt. And like mm-hmm. it, it, it affected his sort of path of his career, but it didn't like blow a hole in the defense because they didn't have Court Williams because he was young anyway. And it's not like you were counting on that guy. So I do, but like no true freshman made our list. He's the closest, right? I mean, it's not like we're not having huge conversations about, you know, Kai, Kai, you know, Kai Stokes is someone that got a little bit of support from us and stuff, but it just, I mean, it, when it, that value piece is hard for a true freshman. Mm-hmm. All right, quick break here on Buckeye Talk. When we come back, we'll talk about more guys on our most influential list, the 25 most influential Ohio State players for the 2022 season. Next on Buckeye Talk. Doug, Nathan, and Steven getting this Friday podcast up late, but it take you through the weekend. Hope you guys are having a good weekend if you're listening on Saturday or Sunday. Monday, Nathan, we have a market down Monday coming that we have already recorded. Do you feel good? We did the recap of Market Down Monday. Now we're getting back into Market Down Monday. Do you feel good that Market Down Monday is back? I do. I, I like that we are going to start, especially because when we hold ourselves accountable months down the line. So um, this time we got we had a little fun with it. It was a question that was sort of left over from a rapid fire pod we did earlier this week. We kind of delved into it, made ourselves make some predictions on that line, and just sort of started sprinkling in impromptu market downs, which I think are going to just kind of become part of the thing now. We're doing fewer episodes of Market Down Monday going into the season than we did last year just because of uh, life circumstances. But we are probably maybe going to end up having as many things to mark down if we do that every week. Just sort of come, you know, throw throw the gauntlet down each week. Everybody's like, all right, well, you guys mark, mark this down. It just kind of spur of the moment. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Next up, number 24 on our list is a guy that everyone is projecting as a starter, but again, sort of fits this profile of Maybe pretty valuable. How special is he? We don't know. And fans don't have a huge connection to him yet. And that's Tanner McAllister. Projected as that nickel safety, that, that kind of guy who's going to be you know down in the box, sort of covering slot receivers and tight ends. 30.32. Again, Steel Chambers was 30.11. Steven, is this, you know, again, like, like Cameron Brown and like Tanner McAllister, I think are similar guys. I'm actually, given that Cam Brown's been here, although he's been hurt, and like Tanner McAllister is new. I'm maybe a little surprised that Tanner McAllister overall finished ahead of Cam Brown, but he slips in here at number 24. Does this feel like a correct ranking for him? It does. I think it's kind of on the same lines that we were talking about this linebackers. His value is, is significantly probably going to be higher than his specialist right now. But I also think there's room for once we get a chance to see Cameron Martinez play football again, that value might start creeping down for Tanner Mark, uh, McAllister throughout the season. If, if, if it, like now, this is another situation of one guy's value is high, is clearly higher than his special, while the other guy's special is clearly higher than his value until we see otherwise. And Cam Martinez did not make our top twenty-five. Yep. You know, I I had Cam Brown a tick higher on my list than McAllister. Um, for both of these guys, not getting a lot of like special juice for me. Although I might I might look like a pretty hard grader as this as this goes along the way I spread my points out. But um, but the other thing for me was. 
if Tanner McAllister had never come here, would, would we be talking about that nickel safety position as like a crater in this defense right now? Or Possibly. would we have just or would we have just been looking at the spring saying, well, Cam Martinez got a lot of snaps and looked good or somebody else or, or whatever. Um, so that was where I also didn't maybe have a, a huge value rating for him. Just thinking that they would probably enough defensive backs on this roster be able to figure it out. I think just because there are two top 100 recruits and then Denzel Burke alongside Cameron Brown, this team would be okay if it didn't have Cameron Brown while it's just um, Cameron Martinez at nickel safety right now, especially since Legend Cavazos went off to the portal. I mean, your depth is gone at that point. So I think that's what pushed. It's the fact that it's only one guy and it's a guy we haven't necessarily seen yet. But I would argue we've seen Cam Brown play at a Big Ten level more than we have Tanner McAllister, although he did well for himself, I guess, at Oklahoma State. But we're st- it's when we're splitting hairs. I literally had them one point different in my total score. Yeah, we're very we had we had um, Cam Brown's value slightly higher, but Tanner McAllister's special slightly higher. So, I mean, it's very it's very close here. It was it could have gone either way. Similar guys. Again, one guy finishes 24th, one guy finishes 26th. But again, that Cam Martinez, just a little too many questions about exactly, I think, how Tam, Cam Martinez squeezes on the field at this point. Um, even though Steven, like, I think if we were, if we, and maybe we'll play this game, like after the Notre Dame game, if we play the game Mm. of which player who did, which players who did not start against Notre Dame will start the most games this season for Ohio state, you know, maybe Cam Martinez is a guy that gets in that kind of conversation. Yeah, which is, I think, how we've talked about that Nicholas and Tanner got here. It's like he might be the starter day one, but that doesn't mean it's going to go throughout the season. But also, one more thing on Cameron Brown. I think health has to play into the special a little bit. And so, for me, that's why I had I had uh, Tanner McAllister and Cameron Brown both for 13 with their value, but I had two more points for uh, Tanner McAllister with his special just because Cameron Brown health, that matters. I think you could also include it on the other side. You could say, well, mm. uh, we can't you can't count on him to play uh, a – full apportionment of snaps for a full season. So that increases his importance slash value. Yeah. All right. Next up, number 23 on the list, Mike Hall at defensive tackle, who is kind of in this big mix, but is an interesting guy, an Ohio native, a top 50 recruit entering year two. This is a guy who special helped him. His overall rating on value from the three of us was an 11.3 average, but his overall rating on special from the three of us was a 14 average. So Steven, like this is, again, this is a lot of recruiting rating factored Mm -hmm. into this, a little bit of body type, right? A little bit of, Ooh, like this might be a little more athletic of a defensive tackle than some of the other guys who are in the mix. So I think this is an example of, again, is Mike Hall one of the 25 most important players to the team this season at a place where they might have six options at defensive tackle? Probably not, but people are interested in how good he might be. I'm going to be very interested to see where he is in your relation to Talik Williams, because I think they're both going to have very high special ratings with like, medium level value and it's not because they're not good or we don't think they're going to be good football players but it's like Barry Johnson's going to play six guys on the interior if he has six guys and so it kind of decreases the value of one into one specific guy if a guy is not playing any more than 25 snaps are you surprised my call made this list Nathan or does this seem appropriate for what we're trying to do 
I had him in my top 25. Um, I had him a little bit lower on special and a tick higher on impact value, actually, than you guys did, uh, partially because when you're talking specifically about nose and what this team needs from a nose, not just in the coming years, but as early as 2022, he seems pretty significant. He could maybe be a like multi-year answer there in a special way. And I do think if you're kind of like a guy that there aren't exactly guys like you on the roster at your position, that makes you stand out a little bit. Right. And I mm-hmm. do think it knows like when you think about conversations like this, maybe that factors in for my call. But again, this list should make room for guys like my call. And he made it. And again, if CJ Hicks was a second year guy instead of a first year guy, he'd be on it. Right. My call mm-hmm. has not played, but he's a second year guy. And we just have a belief that it's more likely that he'll have a real role because he's been here for a year and put in some time and it's been a practice. All right. Number 22, Noah Ruggles. And I, I guess Noah Ruggles had to make this list. He's barely ahead of my call. My call was 30.93. Noah Ruggles is 30.97. Not here in the spring. They brought in this USC kicker. Also Jake Seibert's still here. There are other kicking options, but Noah Ruggles is pretty reliable. Nathan, as you tried to assess him, both in value and specialness, was it was it difficult? And does he feel like a for sure top twenty-five guy? Well, again, based on the ranking that I put out there, you know, I had to I had to score him at a you know near All American status because he was a first team All American last year. So you've got again as I'm as I'm balancing everybody off of each other that that had to be factored in as far as the special rating and then the importance rating. Uh, Yes, they have other options on the uh, roster, but one of those options um, in cyber was the reason they went and got Ruggles in the first place. Like the stability that he gives them, the certainty that he gives them. If you take him off of this roster, if if no Ruggles had actually left the team over the spring and just decided, you know what, Hawaii's fun. I'm staying out here and just giving up football. We'd be talking a lot going into the season about is kicking going to be an issue for Ohio State. He takes that off the board. I think that's right. I think that's a good way to look at it. Steven, I think you had him a little lower with some of your ratings. Um, How did you try to figure out Noah Ruggles? Nathan's point is completely on point, except they also just went and added another scholarship kicker this year when they didn't have to in Parker Lewis. So I think for me, if we were doing this a year ago, Noah Ruggles would have been higher for me. And I think I would have made a case that he should be top 15 because it's a brand new starting quarterback and a lot of new moving pieces offensively. So, you know, there's probably going to be some games where they have some red zone troubles and that's exactly what happened. And so he had to go win some games for him this year where you've got a returning starting quarterback, um, maybe the best receiver in football, maybe the best running back in football. And it just seems like CJ is a little bit more comfortable out there. I'm not as worried about Ohio State having red zone issues to where they're going to be settling for field goals as often. But actually, a year ago, we didn't know no Ruggles was any good, really. And I'm giving him some it would have only missed one field goal all year. It would have no. I'm saying it would have pushed up my value for him because but his special. You're going to be that special of a kicker at Ohio State at this point in the offense most of the time because this offense is one of the better offenses in the country under Ryan Day. But the value for me wouldn't have been 13; it probably would have been 18. So let me ask this. Just as, this is just like sort of a special teams college football discussion. It seems like Ryan Day doesn't doesn't seem like Ryan Day doesn't want to kick field goals. There is a no. very small window 
where Ryan Day is going to kick field goals. Because once they get down near the goal line, he really is going to try to go for it. And if it's like a, if it's more than about 45 yards and the fourth down is less than five yards, he's probably going to go for it because it's like, well, I feel like our chances of making a fourth and five versus like a pretty long field goal are equal. So you wind up in this zone where it's like, well, he's probably only kicking like 35 to 45 yarders. And even on those, if it's fourth and three or less, they might go for it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I always, I mean, for two decades, I'm always like, well, you know, what if it comes down to the end of the game and you need a guy to kick a field goal to win you a game in the last seconds? And that game might determine whether you continue to have a chance to win a national championship or not. But like that's that never happens. Like, I guess there was the kick. What was it? I was at halftime at Northwestern. Like that, that that's not where they are. Like, is it, is it on some level? Is it just like with an offense this good? And with how so many coaches are getting so much more comfortable with going for it on fourth down is, is a kicker at 22, like crazy. Cause he's a kicker. I, I still don't think it's crazy because if number one, go at, look around how college football, how many teams don't have confidence in the guy that they have to make field goals between 35 and 45 yards. And B, if you play a tough enough schedule, I don't think you can just assume that it won't be an issue. I think you need to have extreme confidence. I don't think you can go into the Notre Dame game thinking maybe we've got a guy who can make two thirds of his field goals between 35 and 45 yards. I think you want more certainty than that. But I do think if you had a kicker like that, they just never kick field goals. It'd be like, they'd be at the 26 yard line going for it on fourth and nine. Mm-hmm. Cause they wouldn't believe in their kicker. In fact, like fourth and nine from the 26 with CJ Stroud, you have a shot at making it. I will say last year, the, the worst kicking situation in the country last year was at Cincinnati. And yeah, they made the playoffs. Playoff. It didn't matter. But so Alabama had play, but look at Cincinnati's schedule. I don't know if you need a kicker to get through that regular season schedule the way Ohio State will. Right. And Alabama's also had some years where their kickers have been god awful and they won a national championship anyway. So it's and, like and the and other, you could argue that we know that because Ohio State had to kick the field goals at Nebraska, had to have some other you know, contributions from no ruggles along the way. They also the way kickoffs have evolved. There used to be a lot of value to could you can you kick it and pin somebody at the two yard line yeah. in the corner and force a return and you can't force returns anymore because you can fair catch it and get it to twenty five anywhere so that level of importance has decreased. Um, I don't I don't know I I think it's possible that the general value of any kicker, especially for a team with a great offense. That if you have a bad kicker, it just encourages you to go for it more, which actually might lead to you scoring more points on the season because you're getting even riskier. I think it's possible that we've reached a tipping point where no matter how good Noah Ruggles is, and I think he's pretty darn good, um, this might be too high. Can I, um, is he the only specialist on this list? Yeah, Jesse Mirko did not make okay. it. Okay, okay. I would say that depending on what year your starting quarterback is, Punter should probably be higher than the kicker. They don't, they don't punt for, either. They don't punt. I either. know, but right. But when they do, it's especially since we don't know about this defense yet, it's nice to have a punt. I mean, we've seen that too. Uh, to my first cheer on the beat, the Michigan State game, that helped out defense out a lot. The fact that they kept having to start within the 10-yard line. Yeah, well, that's true. So, I had a higher, I, by one, a higher value ranking for Mirko than um, Ruggles. But Ruggles was higher on my list because – 
there is evidence that he's not just another kicker yeah. where Mirko might just be another punter. Yeah, a pretty good, good punter, but whatever. He's good. I will say I'm glad that the next guy is ahead of Noah Ruggles, and I think it's appropriate. And actually, I'm going to make a reference on the Monday pod that you'll hear about this guy. And then I was going through some stuff, and it turned out that there was a thing that I had miscounted. And so when I corrected it, he actually moved down the list a little bit. Kyle McCord is 21st. But I do think, Nathan, who's more important to Ohio State? Your kicker or your backup quarterback? I think it's indisputably your backup quarterback. I think it is too. And I'm, I actually had Kyle McCord much higher on that. Yeah, I had him 12th overall on my list. And partially be, and that was even with, I even wrote a note to myself, I might be under projecting on special that I was only giving him like a 14 on special. Uh, but I think he is, you have to give yourself, you have to look into the future a little bit on this. Um, if, because we saw it last year, Ohio State had to win a game without C.J. Stroud. I had to play a game without C.J. Stroud. I know it was only Akron, but it's still like they still had to send somebody. C.J. Stroud was not available in any way. So is the guy that you're putting out there a competent Big Ten quarterback? And if it happens in another game, he has to be even better than that. So I think that Common Accord is a little bit low to only be what you said, 21st on this list. I think that's low. I had Common Accord's value. At three and especially at 15, but it was a three where it's like CJ Stroud gets hurt all of a sudden it goes to well, but, 20. And frankly, that's a little bit of why Kyle McCord is so low. But like yeah. the whole point, I mean, you can't, I don't think you can have the value be a three and then say, well, if the quarterback, the starting quarterback gets hurt, then it's a 20 because that's the whole point because right. CJ, you're, you're a turned ankle away from the three going to a 20. That's where your value is. Your value is that. You're a, you're a, you're a turned ankle away from him running the offense. So like the, the thought process of like a three becomes a 20. It's like, well, then the three is probably higher than a three because three to 20 is a pretty big leap. Or no? he's just, no, he's just a backup quarterback and you don't need him until you need him, which is the whole point of a backup quarterback. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the whole, like it, especially with the backups, I'm not going to do the whole, like, what if the starter gets hurt? I'm just not, I'm not doing that. I'm just curious how many, he, how many players on this roster you gave a higher score in value to than three. Everybody who is actually starting for this team and is actually going to play meaningful snaps and is planned to play meaningful snap. There is not a plan for Kyle McCord to play meaningful snaps. Does, does Tyler Friday and Javante Jean-Baptiste, would they get a higher score than three? As two guys who are planned to play meaningful snaps, yeah. Okay, it's just I think That's it's why a we average them out. of opinion in a way in a way that you look at it. Like if you said right now, Stephen, you have to pick somebody be abducted by aliens. Do you pick Javante Jean Baptiste or do you pick Kyle McCord? Who would you want to be abducted by aliens? I mean, it's not like Tyler Friday and, and Javante Jean Baptiste have significantly higher value points than Kyle McCord on my list. Okay. So, I think people, I mean, we, we're making the, the, we're making the two cases here, but like that did help drive down a little bit. Uh, Kyle McCord's overall rating. He's a 31.83. That is pretty significantly higher than Noah Ruggles, who was a 30.97. There's a pretty big jump there. I will tell you the texters weren't really in on the Kyle McCord kind of Q rating thing. He was 29th for the texters in Q rating. So like they're looking at him, he's the backup quarterback. He might be good eventually, but as Steven is saying, there's not a plan for him to play. I'm not going to get a backup quarterback jersey, right? I'm not going to spend a ton of time 
sitting around with my friends talking about Kyle McCord because the plan is he's not going to play. But he may be the guy that you have to win a national championship with in 2023 too, right? No, I'm talking about value. We're talking about value for this season. Or are we talking about value overall? Because if it's for this season, it's low. If it's for next season, it gets high. If he's a starting quarterback. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think it's, it's primarily for this season. I mean, I think I, even for the Texas, I said this season, you know, I mean, there's always a little bit of the future that, that leaks into everything. But I mean, if you think too far down the line, then CJ Hicks is in the top five. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, it really is about so kind of now. One. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff that, uh, yeah, there's, there's, it's really about this year. So, okay. So I do think Kyle McCord um, absolutely needs to be in the top 25. And I think we probably all agree on that for sure. Number 20, and this is a pretty big jump. Kyle McCord's at 31.83. Now we're jumping up to the 33s. 33.35 is Ja'Kalen Johnson, Stephen. The fourth corner, we think, if he and or he and Jordan Can- Hancock are tied for the third corner, I think there's just a lot of intrigue around these two young corners who haven't played, who were big time recruits. There's been a lot of angst kind of around the cornerback position the last couple of years. I will tell you that Jordan Hancock is yet to come. He's higher than Jacqueline and Johnson, J.K. Johnson. But is it appropriate? Is this like a, a roughly appropriate spot for him? Do you think? So far, I like the order in which he's cornered and showing up. Yes, because it's like. Of the, he's he's more special than Cameron Brown as a top 100 recruit, but we just haven't seen enough. He was hurt all last year, and because of that, it's like we know for sure there's going to be three guys who play, and if they don't go to four, he's the one that gets left out. Do you think that makes sense, Nathan? That Cam Brown, who we think is the other starter opposite Denzel Burke, did not make the top 25, but the guys that we think are the third and fourth corners right now, Jordan Hancock and Kalen Johnson, both did make this top 25. I had Brown higher on my list than Johnson. Again, I think simply because I expect him to play so much um, that if, if JK Johnson still ends up being the fourth guy and they really only rotate those top three, um, his importance for this coming season certainly is, is decreased. And um, just again, relatively balanced against everybody else on the roster. I didn't have a huge special rating on him. His was more just, you know, average. I mean, I do think overall his special rating was like significantly higher than Cam Brown from us. So, I mean, like that's, that's why, right. Which is again, why that, why that special rating exists. So, uh, Kalen Johnson, JK Johnson here at number 20, number 19. And, and I'll admit to fudging this slightly. Listen, if this was like a thing that was like a, you know, going down in the record books, I would have resent the thing. I just forgot to include Tyleek Williams on the survey for the texters. So I basically looked at where other guys who haven't played a ton were rated, where other defensive tackles were rated, the way we talked about Tyleek Williams. And I just kind of fudged it a little bit. So I don't think it invalidates the ratings. I wasn't going to make, I made people do 35 ratings when two separate, like here's one list of offensive players. Here's another list of defensive players. I call it homework. I wasn't going to send one more piece of homework. So there's some slight fudging here, but I'm fairly confident this is, this is about where Tyleek Williams would have ended up anyway. His final rating here, 33.97. And I will tell you that is the highest defensive tackle, Nathan. And does that feel right to you? 
he was my highest defensive tackle, but not significantly. In fact, I think uh, almost equal to Mike Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be a little bit, I, I'm, I'm rethinking that a little bit in the moment here. I can't, can't completely catapult myself back to late April when I made the list. But I, I think some of that is recognizing um, that, you know, I want to see Williams do it uh, in a, in a, a, a first string kind of way or, an, you know, early game kind of way, that sort of thing. But um, those two guys were my, my highest two defensive tackles. I agree. I want to see him do it against first teamers. I, I literally had them a point apart and it was because I gave Talik Williams one more point with the value. And it's just because having a three tech be able to, I mean, we see it in the SEC all the time, having an interior guy be able to blow up offensive lines that way. I mean, that can really change a defense and really impact the game in a way that with a nose who's really just like my call's job is going to be to just take going double team after double team after double team. So if you have a guy like Talik who can do that, that's a lot more valuable. And Ohio State hasn't had a, guy, a lot of guys like that. Which also means Teron Vincent did not make our top 25. Teron Vincent was 29th on our list. He's been around a very long time. And he was a huge recruit when he got here, but we're obviously past sort of the point of his recruiting ranking Nathan he is a good solid defensive player that if I I mean if I don't remember your I did a a 30 second depth chart and when I did it nine of the 11 starters on defense made our top 25 and 10 of the 11 starters on offense made our top 25 Mm -hmm. but I had Teron Vincent as a starter I didn't have Mike Hall as a starter I don't if you were doing the defensive tackle starters right now, Nathan, who would you scratch down? Um, would you do Teron Vincent and Tyreek Williams? That's what I just scratched down, and that might be I an exact. So, and I guess Vincent would maybe be the nose in that scenario. Yeah, that's probably what I. I probably have Vincent as a starting nose based on what we know today. Um, just because how Larry likes to do things, sometimes I might put Cage and Vincent out there as a starter. Maybe, yeah, but maybe, yeah. I forgot about Teron Cage, yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I think they're going to take the first snaps. They're not necessarily playing the most. And Cage, not, not any. I didn't even send Cage out because he didn't get enough juice from our rating to even warrant being one of the thirty-five guys that Texters voted on. But I don't have a significantly different score. Well, it is a couple points different. But I have Teron Vincent with like a nine in special and John Cage with an eight because at this stage of their Mm. career, there's not a lot of difference. I don't care what the with the no rating used to be. This is what they are now. But again, not, and neither of them were just right. like particularly close. Like they're just not really in the conversation for this kind of thing, even though they might play a pretty big number of snaps this year on the defense and they might have pretty solid production, but they're not going to make the defense go. They're not going to be, I don't think, all Big Ten kind of players. So again, for a list like this, I don't think we have to apologize for not having them on here. Okay. To recap so far, our top 25 most influential Ohio State football players for the 2022 season, 25 Steel Chambers, 24 Tanner McAllister, 23 Mike Hall, 22 Noah Ruggles, 21 Kyle McCord, 20 J.K. Johnson, 19 Tyleek Williams. We have two more guys to talk about on this list on this episode, and we'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan and Steven back again. This is a guy who I, this guy had a fairly significant gap between special and valuable. His special rating combined between the three of us was 15.3. 
out of 20. His value rating was a 12.7 out of 20. He was a guy that the texters, uh, I think, did kind of like a little bit. He finished 16th in the texture Q rating. He's going to be 18th overall on our list, and it's Julian Fleming. He is at 34.67. He's 18th here. He's fourth among the receivers, Nathan. Again, the idea that, of course, a guy like this in a deep receiver room, but he was the number one recruit in his country, in the country at his position, his special rating is going to be higher than his value rating. Is he in the right spot here? Yeah, I mean, I had him 19th on my list. This is pretty much exactly where I had him. And it's just hard to give him a, a much benefit of the doubt on value yet. Again, I don't. That's not a knock. It's not a, a a criticism of him necessarily. We just don't. As I stated on the pod that people listen to on Monday, we're at this juncture with Fleming where he kind of needs to have a huge season for himself to establish himself more than Ohio State needs him to have a huge season to be the offense it wants to be. What do you think about Julian Landon here, Stephen? He was 18th for me. I agree with a lot of what Nathan was saying. I am wondering where he is in relation to another receiver though. Cause I think that will kind of paint the picture we've been kind of talking about with Julian Fleming over the last six months here. He's that other lower. receiver He's lower. Yeah. He's lower. That other receiver that you're talking about um, does have one other thing going for him. Being a year younger. It also no. not also being right. just a receiver. All right. I mean, it's, <laughs> this is not, this is not a secret code. <laughs> people it's, it's a mecca Egbuka, and nathan means that he's the return guy yes. which is an established role which also we're going to talk about more in the monday podcast but we'll save the mecca Egbuka conversation for the mecca Egbuka conversation he is higher on this list than julian fleming and i think we probably all would well since we rated him higher which is the reason he is higher we would agree that he should be higher and let me look at the texter um q rating for those guys the texters had him higher also, so Fleming was 16th in Q rating for the Texters, and Emeka Buka was 12th. So we'll, we'll, we'll reveal where Emeka Buka is on the next podcast. So that's Julian Fleming um, at 18. Stephen, is there a world? And, and, and I don't know. Listen, as I said, I derail myself with my plans for things because I make things too big and gigantic, and the result is I do nothing. But like, I would like to make this a regular thing. You know, there are things, the thing that I do where I sort of like assign a percentage to each game on the schedule and then try to figure out the percent chance of Ohio State having an undefeated regular season. I've been doing that. I've done that multiple years. I kind of did it one year. and I was like, oh, it's kind of a good thing to do in the offseason. I think this maybe with some tweaking could be a thing, right, that I kind of like sort of what we're trying to do here and that it's us and the textures together and we're. There's a number part of it, but, you know, it's not just numbers. Is there a world, Stephen, where, A, if we did this at the end of this season, if we did it, say, before the bowl, if we did it in December, or if we do it next year at this time, Julian Fleming is, is 18th right now. Could this? I mean, is this a guy who could be like a top 10, top 8, top 5 guy on this team if things go at their best? I think it's very – plausible that he is top five on this team i think it's plausible that he doesn't make the list next if he and i think it's plausible that 
he doesn't make the list. <laughs> you know, one way he doesn't make the list is because he's not what we thought he was. And the other way he doesn't make the list is because he's not a college football player anymore. I think all of those things are on the table for him, which is why kind of mid-tier right here in the middle is a good spot for him because we just don't know enough because of reasons that have been talked about time and time again. Nathan, this I think might be a better story on the site than a podcast discussion, because I think we talk about so much on this podcast that we end up, we've had versions of this conversation, but like a ranking of, of players going into the season who have the widest gap between their ceiling and their floor, Mm. I think could be interesting. And I don't wouldn't Julian Fleming be high on that list. Maybe number one on that list for this team. Oh, I I think very much so. Um, And I, I was looking again, that, that conversation we had before about Egbuka and, and Fleming, like my, the difference for me was I have, it was, I have them the same special, but Egbuka is significantly higher on impact slash value. And with Fleming, I think Steven's right that the, the, it could be, he could be, I think that's, that's maybe the best way to say what is, is in his future. He could not be on this list next year for both reasons. Like, because he was just so good that he's gone to the NFL or because it's firmly established that either he isn't as special as we thought we were, or the value, the the chance for impact is never going to be there, and now he just falls farther down the list next year. All right, number 17 is, I think, an interesting guy because I think potentially, and, and of course, I don't mean this like personally, I just mean the type of player he is, the position he plays, where he sort of fits into the hierarchy of the team. I think he's maybe the most boring, important player on this team. And he's next on the list. Does anybody want to guess who I'm talking about? Ronnie Hickman? No. Steven, you want to make a guess? Nathan, write this down for another idea. The most boring, (laughs) important players on the roster. I'm just guessing the other players that are at this juncture on my my own list. Um, Whittler? Yeah, I'm going to be my guess. Matthew Jones. So, Matthew oh, Jones. Lower than I thought he'd be. Well, so here's the thing with Matthew Jones is like he had a great PFF rating last year, but he was the sixth offensive lineman. At least Luke Whipler started last year. Yeah. Right? I mean, Luke Whipler started the whole year. This is a guy who has never been a full time starter at Ohio State. He's going to be a starting guard. The other starting guard who has not been a starter yet at Ohio state is much higher on this list than Matthew Jones is. But I almost think I listen, Cam Brown's starting and didn't make the top 25. Tommy Eichenberg is starting and didn't make the top 25. Let's have a brief conversation about another guy. The only guy on the offense who's slated to start and did not make the top 25 and like did not come close to making the top 25 is Cade Stover. So, I almost think that Matthew Jones, who is a solid veteran interior offensive lineman, that he's 17th on this list. I I think actually like kind of bodes like is, is good for us. Good for the textures. Like Nathan, we didn't like, we didn't forget about Matthew Jones. Well, you got to remember all those things we talked about last year, about how that might be like the deepest offensive line in the country. That ain't the deal anymore. They don't. So his importance has to be relatively high. I gave him corresponding to my my little uh, chart there that 
he was just about at the level where Ohio State's chances of winning the Big Ten might be compromised if Matt Jones can't play. Because we don't know for sure that who they replace him with is a Big Ten starting caliber left guard. And um, as as it relates to um, – I'm sorry, the other point you were making. Oh, well, like the thing about like with you know why Tommy Eichenberg, why Cam Brown, why they maybe aren't there, it's because you can name – you know if there's a three-man starting rotation at corner, but then Cam Brown can't play, you still got your other two starters. If Tommy Eichenberg can't play, we respect – what we've seen from some of the other guys that they could play Simon and yeah, right. Right. Mm -hmm. But we don't have that answer for behind Matt Jones. If he can't play. Yeah. That's why I said I was a little, all the, for me, all the often starting offensive linemen are in the top 10, just because to Nathan's point with the other guys that were expected to be starters that were low, that's because the guys who are behind them are higher on this list than they are. There's nobody higher on this list than the guy who was supposed to be the starting offensive lineman at all five spots. And I think you could also argue that Matt Jones at this point deserves enough, on, a little extra on the special side, as opposed to um, Tanner McAllister or even like Teron Vincent. Like what you've actually seen them do when they get on the field, Jones separates himself a little bit. I mean, he's, he's also P- the backup sitter. So if we're his PFF grade, his PFF grade is like a million. Yeah. I mean, like it, it was like yeah. PFF is yeah. like, oh, by the way, the best offensive lineman in the country is Matthew Jones. It was like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, he played like 200 snaps, but yeah. I think that's something he'll have to live up to a little bit this year because last year, you're right. Like you're coming in, oh, this guy came in fresh off the bench in the third quarter and played a series against a guy who'd been out there the whole game and graded out well. Okay, I, I'll give him some credit, but let's do it when you have to play the whole game. I, I, I feel like because some other five-star offensive linemen have come in here and by year two, they're ready to play we have kind of forgotten that Matthew Jones was like a top 100 recruit in the top yeah. center's recruiting class, just because, well, Harry Miller and Paris Johnson in year two as the top guy at their position, their recruiting class were starters. And so, yeah, he's going to have to live up to that crazy PFF rating, but also it's not that shocking that a top 100 recruit played well at this point in his career. There are two guys this season in Tyleek Williams and Matthew Jones who in small sample sizes, had yeah. great PFF grades last year, were really productive in what they did, and their sample size is going to go up significantly. And we're curious to see if the production stays at that same kind of level. Because when you're against backups, when you're against tired guys, when you're not doing it every week, when your body doesn't wear down as much over the course of the season, sometimes it's easier to be great. So I'm not doubting them, but it's a, a, an interesting thing to watch. But Matt, Matt Jones has been around a long time. But again, the, the, the interesting thing about this is, a year ago at this time, we thought Matthew Jones was going to be a starter. And then the way things evolved in August, we got the Dewan Jones. Here comes Dewan Jones. Here's slide, you know, Nicholas Petit Frere and Thayer Munford and everybody's sliding. And it's because in August, that Jones seized a job, not this Jones. And then in his role as the sixth offensive lineman, Matthew Jones was really good. But his year started by not winning a job when a lot of people thought he would. So now he has that job. No one's taken that from him. And now we have to see what that looks like for 70 snaps a game for 15 weeks, right? So that's not doubting. But I I actually do think, Nathan, we actually might know a little less about Matthew Jones than we think we do. Because he had a really high grade as the sixth offensive lineman last year when he made a couple starts. I think that's fair to say. But and at the same time, you, you've heard, you know, Ryan Day talk about him, not like 
well, he's coming along. He talks about the flashes being extremely good flashes. So it's always been also a matter of just smoothing that out, getting that more consistent. All right. So those are all the guys we're going to cover on this podcast. Uh, Again, the guys that we've talked about who did not make it, CJ Hicks did not make it. um, Ty Hamilton, one of the other guys in the mix at defensive tackle, did not make it. Teron Vincent did not make it. Uh, The only linebacker, as we said, that made it was Steel Chambers. So no Cody Simon, no Tommy Eichenberg. Kane Stover suffered Nathan kind of in the special grade. The value, it was like, oh, we think maybe Ohio State won't play with the tight end this year. And then they moved Kane Stover back from linebacker. It was like, oh, my God. Thank goodness they have a guy at least who's played it before. Again, when we're talking gap of value and special this has to be high on the list, Nathan, of guy whose value grade is much higher than a special grade. He was in my top 25 because he only had an eight in special, which is one of the lowest scores I gave anybody that I ranked, and I gave him a 16 in value. I yeah. think my – I got to remember here because it's a lot of – yeah, his special for me was like four or five, but then his value was like 16 or something like that just because – yeah, they've hammered it down our throats that they will not be putting four wide receivers on the field. Yeah, his for his value grade, uh, Nathan and I gave him a 16 and Stephen gave him an 18. That's really high mm-hmm. for value. Uh, and again, the special grade overall value grade 16.7 special grade 7.7, which is like almost like we think you could find a, a lot of guys in college football who could do the kind of the same thing here. And then again, you know, he like was the grand marshal at an auto race the other day. And he drives a pickup truck and, and he certainly has like a, a specific kind of personality that it, maybe you can relate to Cade Stover. And there, and I, and I bet you there are people who are like, I love Cade Stover, right. That there's not a lot of guys who maybe have like the kind of background he has um, at Ohio state, but it did like, it didn't translate. He of, of the 35 people, that I sent out for the Q rating, he was second to last. So they're just like, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot. It's, it's interesting, Nathan, like there's just like no juice to him, but there was a lot of juice to him when we were having a lot of discussions about like, why is this guy playing linebacker as the 19th linebacker in the linebacker room when he could be the starting tight end? Like the, I think almost Nathan, this is about the biggest, if we were doing an example, you know, like if we did a separate post of, the last 10 years, guys who had the largest gap in their value was high and their special was low. He's almost a poster boy. And we might be underestimating the special because I think he is an extremely physical, tough football player who said he wants to play tight end like he's a linebacker. And he might go out and start throwing defensive ends into the stands. And then it might be like, oh, well, that is kind of special in its own way. I think if he had stayed at linebacker and looked like he was going to be an impact player there, I think his Q rating would be higher, but going to tight end is kind of the places, the place at Ohio state where Q ratings die a little bit because they don't really throw you the ball. You're not, you're not a flashy part of a very, very, very flashy offense. Uh, Or I guess maybe that's the best way to put it. Like you really have to flash as a tight end to, to get notice in an offense, this high powered. So he may be, um, you were talking before about Matt Jones being like, somebody who's just sort of boringly high on the list. He may be boringly high on the reasons why Ohio state wins football games this year. The other guy that I want to talk about that, that did not make it. And I think it's probably appropriate, but maybe going into it, I thought he had a chance to be in the top 25 is court Williams, Nathan. Like, is that 
he was kind of kind of juicy at the start of spring. And then he was hurt at the end of spring and Proctor came back at the end of spring and he sort of fell into the background. The more we talked about Tana McAllister, Ronnie Hickman and Josh Proctor as likely three starting safeties. Is there just too much uncertainty around court Williams, even though it feels like he's been a guy, he's a little bit, he's Demario with, I think more legitimacy that like, he's a guy that people, at least on this podcast, we, I like to talk about him. It's like, oh, this guy, I think he's got something like this guy. And they talk about him in a certain way. Although, as you have pointed out, they talk about him as a leader and as a weight room guy and not as much yeah. as like a great football player. I did think maybe with Q rating and if you think like he's just rare sort of as a as a leader and a gung-ho guy and once he gets healthy, he's going to get after it. I thought maybe he had a chance at the top 25 and he really wasn't that close. He's a guy that either because of his recruiting ranking or because of what we've seen, he's actually been able to be on the field. I don't think his special rating, I don't think he's dumb. It's hard to justify a high special rating for him at this point. Now going into his third year, I think he's someone that could prove us wrong in that regard. And he's obviously been held off the field by things that aren't his problem or weren't his fault at times with the injuries. But at the same time, like is, is Court Williams, should he be higher than Tommy Eichenberg who didn't make this list? I, I don't think so. The problem with Court Williams is so much of the idea of him is linked to a position that does not exist anymore. It really never existed. It was just a thought in the spring of 2019. And ever since then, it's been like, oh, that's the Court Williams position. It's like, well, the Court Williams position, we've never actually seen it, but yeah. he's still here. And yeah. Doug, we're still talking about like, well, could he be in the mix? Like nickel safety? Like, is that a thing that could happen? And like, should he maybe just be back in the linebacker room? And he is getting real close to that, that, that plateau that you've always talked about of like, he can play everywhere and doesn't play anywhere. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll be curious. It, it'll be fun at the very least, even if we don't redo the list, it'll be fun to revisit this. I think in December. Oh, I think we could do it in the bye week I would I be think, interested yeah, like I, what, yeah. what, what changes yeah. just over the first six games of a year. This is almost yeah. better than just like a rankings thing we did last year where then we updated it in the bye week. Just do this and then do it again in the bye week and then do it again at the end of the season and see how things change. Because just, just look back and say, boy, were we wrong about so-and-so? Not even yeah. like ranking these guys. Because the idea is when you do best players, it's it's obvious on the surface, right? And, yeah. and listen, when we get to the top of this, the top 10, it's not going to be that far off the best players. Like you guys know no. who's going to be in the top five. Right. But it's still not exactly that. There still is an excitement component to this that I kind of like. And if we get to the bye week and we're saying, remember when everybody was excited about that guy and he just has no role. And remember when people completely ignored that guy and he's been, he's made some like spectacular flashy plays that gets people excited. Again, it's, it's a little bit more than just best. So we'll be wrong on some of these, but the thing of it is now is we're all wrong together because it's me and it's Steven and it's Nathan and it's the texters and all of us together came up with these ratings. So listen, we're like, we're, you're strapped to us now. If we're going down, we're all going down. So um, Buckeye talk. <laughs> Yeah, that's the most Buckeye talk thing we've had on all pod. I said something today. I did a I did a Buckeye talk sitting on the couch today because I was watching a tennis match and I said something. And then like an hour later, the announcers said the thing that I said. And my wife said, like, oh, you said that an hour ago. And I said, like, well, if you if you if you say enough things, eventually you'll get something right. Buckeye talk, Buckeye like talk. sitting on the couch. <laughs> so, by the way, uh, I was sitting on the couch watching a tennis match. Buckeye talk. No, that's not yeah. Buckeye talk. 
that I love watching, like from the quarterfinals on in a grand slam tennis, sign me up, brother. Uh, okay. I hate, I hate Djokovic though. Oh my God. I hate him. He's he actually, it's like, he's like the, well, I will no one wants to hear that. Anyway, uh, Nathan and Steve are going to leave. I'm just going to do like nine minutes on tennis. Emergency fourth segment, breaking down Wimbledon quarters. All right. So that's, uh, that's the beginning of our influential list. Next time we'll do another pod next week uh, on this, and we will cover the six guys between 16 and 11. And then we're starting to get into some guys with some more juice. And then it's fun to see like, well, why is this guy head of this guy? And why is this guy head of this guy? So I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope the texters who took part of it, uh, took part in it, enjoyed voting on it. Uh, I'm sorry. I screwed up, you know, five to 7% of the survey, but for me, that's a pretty good ratio. It's still like a low a Monday market down. Monday is coming. Uh, we have more preview stuff ahead as we continue to work through the last part of this Ohio State football schedule. We'll have another one of those next week. A um, couple of things lined up. We might even squeeze in like another rewatchables or something before we get to Big Ten Media Days. Because, again, that stuff is like right around the corner. We're like two and a half weeks out from that kind of stuff. So for now, this is your Friday pod for Stephen Means and for Nathan Baird. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. 